80-20 that we we're talking about, mm -hmm. and then you still get that monthly cash flow and then sell that note off so you can get some cash coming in. So yep. that's another way of doing it. And you're using your end buyer's capital to put down on the property. So you're making money in the front end. You're also, you can structure the note like we talked about the 80-20, sell that note off, and then you still yourself can still get monthly cash flow coming in. So yep. that's kind as always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Welcome again, Dave Putz from JKP Holdings. Alongside me, Mr. Nathan Turner. How are you? Very good. Very good. Me too. So uh, I'm really excited that this week we just did a video last week and we're doing a video this week. So if you missed our last week video, which was regarding hypothecations versus note partials for both yeah. buyers and note sellers. Yeah. Definitely tune into that, um, our podcast. How has your week been turning out for you, Nathan? It's been good. Been good. Raising some money, buying some notes. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, uh, in uh, share in our pre-call, what we actually going on is I'm actually buying my first hypothecation, hopefully yeah. today. That's um, exciting. Working some stuff out, um, and we're gonna see how it goes. It's been a little bumpy in the beginning, but I'm really excited about it, and I'll share more about that as we move forward. Um, and uh, I'm sure that you guys will learn a lot about that deal as well as I have. And if you've done those kind of deals, we'd love for you to kind of put it in the uh, chat box and whatnot. Uh, yes, this recording will be recorded. Uh, it will be on live. It will be on YouTube. It'll be on LinkedIn, everything possible, everything else. So, so you're buying notes. What are you buying right now? What are you looking at? Um, so I just got a tape of, uh, actually I'll share with you later if you're interested, but I've got uh, some loans uh, a whole bunch of seller finance loans, mostly bridge lending le loans. So they're short term with payoff at after 12 months, all in Georgia, which is already kind of a scary thing for us. However, they're all to, uh, because they're bridge loans, they're all to companies. Hmm. So that circumvents a whole bunch of the things that we're trying to avoid all the time and, and trying to work around. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I got a, I've got a tape of those that I'm looking at, and then um, some other solid finance notes uh, in North Carolina. That okay. uh, guy that I met at a Directed IRA Summit uh, a couple of weeks ago that I was at. So really interesting stuff. There, man. There's seller financing. Uh, you know, it's been around forever and ever, and you and I have been around notes for long enough. We've dealt with institutional for the longest time. We've sure. been focusing on uh, seller finance the last year or so. Uh, and the more we get into it, the more I realize that there's just a ton out there. And I think yeah. more recently, I would say in the last 12 months, there's been a, an upsurge of people that are doing it as a business rather than just the mom and pops that have been around for eons. And we, we when we first got into this, we thought it was the mom and pops we were focused on and we weren't sure about this stuff, but we're finding out rather quickly is that there's a lot of people doing this right and wrong. And that yeah. we want to take advantage of that as soon as possible, right? Yeah. And I think one of the best ways we can do is to understand that side of it 
And we've yeah. been doing on a mission for 2023 is bridging the gap between the seller finance investors and creators and rap note people that are joining our calls right now and us note buyers. Yeah. Because this bridge, I think, will give us plenty of inventory moving forward for the near future. Yeah, we, we can do a ton of business together. Um, I, I love the seller finance people, and I've done that in the past. I really appreciate the hustle, and I'm more than happy to let them do the hustling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more than happy to cash them out so they can turn around and do it again. Absolutely. I think for most people, they they don't realize why each side needs each other um, yeah. and benefits from each other, right? You go out there as a seller finance creator, go find the house, subject to wrap it, whatever you're going to do. And now we're going to cash you out, right? Yeah. And when we talked about last week with hypothecations, we're actually giving you a loan, right? We're actually going to loan against your, your note and mm -hmm. give you money where you're going to handle the whole situation. We're not taking anything of it. You're just going to keep working with our money and pay us on a monthly basis and move forward from there, which is yeah. similar to partials. Yeah. But, you know, in your conference, we had the DME. Again, I'm going to plug it. We have the videos on our website, DME yeah. 2023. Take a look at those videos because we had some really good speakers on both sides of this panel giving some ideas and some understanding of what this note world is about on both edges because it's key for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. One of the goals was to, to bring together all the different facets of notes. So I mean, there are so many different ways that you can approach notes, seller finance, residential, commercial, first, seconds. I mean, there, there are dozens of different ways to, to approach it. Yeah. Uh, so that we're trying to do that and bring everyone together. And I think it, we did a pretty good job of that. And uh, it, it's great to see all the different areas coming together and, and yeah. you know, talking to the, together and learning from each other. Just this week, we're right. We're, the note we're trying to close today, hopefully we'll get everything situated, but it's really a guy who bought a loan, got a, has a hard money lender for a short term and needs to mm -hmm. cash him out. So we're solving his problem by giving mm -hmm. him longer term money and he's to keep going. He may pay us off early. We hope yeah. he doesn't, but if it does, it does. And for us, it really kind of helps clarify that this world of buying banknotes at three, four, five percent, we don't need to do that. We're not handcuffed to buy these kind of those kind of notes. I think it's huge for us. Yeah, it's huge. There and there's so many notes out there. Um, we're hoping we're trying to help those that are doing the seller finance to yeah. do it properly and correctly. Yeah, and that's that's been a big mission of ours. So. Yeah. So we'll you continue. know, for those so those who are creating notes. Um, this is for you as well as well as note buyers, but we're, we're doing is we're becoming that bridge for you guys. So you guys can build and create, originate secure and better notes, not just get money, put a person on property and be in a spot where you can lose everything in a matter of a few years. So yeah. what we've done since January is really connect with the leading people in the space of creative financing and really kind of network with them so that we can actually help them move forward and create notes, but also teach their tribe how to do it the best way possible. Yeah. So they can get the most money out of it. They can do it legally without having any, you know, never having to look over the shoulders, to see who's going to be bringing Absolutely. down all kinds of really heavy penalties. Um, yeah. We just, we want to help everybody who's doing this, do it right. And we'll, man, we can, yeah, we've had the business. underwriting calls. We've had RMLO calls, right? Yeah. So if you're curious about if you have an owner occupied in there, make sure you hit that. So 
Yeah. Um, I'm getting Dave Foots from JKP Holdings, Nathan from Ernest Investing. We're two separate companies, both note buyers, looking to bridge you guys up. But today's special guest is a guy who we respect a lot. We've talked a lot with him. He's been awesome, right? We have Mark Monroe, who's been a leader in the space of creative financing for only part of his life. The other part was doing what we do and, and partially what he did. So, Mark, I'm really excited to have you come on today and just share with your group as well as us about creative owner financing. You're on mute there, oh, Mark. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. Thanks, That's thanks. Uh, well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we actually met, what, about a month, month and a half ago, early June, up in Nashville. And yeah. uh, I highly recommend uh, anybody listening to go to the next event next year. It was, it was a great networking event. We learned so much, but the networking is unbelievable at that event. So I'm looking forward to the event next year. You yeah. guys already have the date set or not yet? Yes, indeed. May 31st, June 1st. Back right. out in Nashville, same place. Same. I know yeah, a it's a of, good location. It's, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people want to go downtown. It's, it's, downtown is just a little... I've, too distracting. We're there to learn, first of all. We'll have fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's only so, a bus. It's a quick bus ride. It's 20 minutes downtown. Like, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, I think you guys had a bus from the hotel that took people right downtown. So if they wanted to do that, but it's convenient yeah. right near the airport too. So it works out really well. So I highly, highly, highly recommend yes. anybody that's looking to get into the note buying, you know, especially in the seller financing game. Uh, it's going to open the door up for a lot of you guys that are out there originating doing these seller financing in mm -hmm. your holding paper, but then you have another whole world where you actually can turn around and sell your notes. In the beginning, a lot of people, when they come in to do seller financing, they're just structuring a note because they want to acquire it. And that's how the, that's the first leg of what they're trying to accomplish. But then what you can do is you can turn around and sell that note and then learn different ways of structuring it. Because a lot of times you guys are out there structuring it. It's just as one note. But in fact, if you want to sell it, you structure it as two notes. You do like the 80, sure. 20, and then you try to get 20, 25% down from the seller. So oh, when you sorry. do that, you're creating more value for yourself. So we we're getting... that. we'll have more of a, more, maybe an in-depth talk about that next year. We'll make a note of yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So I put the, the, in the comments section, the video recording for those people who are curious to see what it's about. You can definitely order the recordings from this last web, uh, this last event. Uh, Mark spoke, he was one of the guest speakers, which was awesome. Uh, this is all notes, right? All real estate notes. We've had some people in their trailers, land notes, all that kind of field is amazing. So we want to make sure that people understand that we're both sides of the coin here. And I want to stress that as much as I can. Um, Mark, it, it's funny, most people who get into creative financing typically came about it by accident, right? Um, how did you get started? in creative financing, but in real estate in general, you've, your background has some impressive stuff. Well, I don't know if I ever told you guys what my real, what, um, what, uh, how I got into this. My no, my first one, I was like 19 years old and I was in a small little town up in Vermont. And what happened was I did the Carlton Sheets book, you know, and I went and got these bandit signs and like, we buy homes. I put them up on the telephone pole. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. I got in trouble because I didn't know the Mr. Collier. I was 19 years old. I didn't know any better. <laughs> and I put up, I put up about 20 throughout that through the area. So this guy called me up 
He goes, hey, I've got this mobile home for sale. It's worth 21000 I want eighteen for it. And I'm like, I'm not interested in a mobile home. Mm-hmm. Calls me back another week. He goes, hey, you know, I got this mobile home. It's worth twenty one. I'll let it go for $15,000. i am like, ah, I'm really not interested. Calls me back like a week or two later. He goes, hey, give me 12000 for this mobile home. Then I'm thinking to myself, okay. But I started asking questions. Said, do you own the land? He goes, no, I don't own the land. I'm like, ah, I'm not interested. So he calls me back another month. He goes, give me $6,000 for this mobile home. It's worth 21000 Now I'm thinking to myself, okay, now there's a deal. But I'm like, I kept going to the same routine. I'm like, why do you got to sell? He goes, I don't live in it. I have lot rent due. I don't have a lot. I'm like, I'm going to be frank. I'm not interested in a mobile home, but I'll give you 3000 for it. He goes, give me 4000 I go, no, I'll, I'll do $3,000. So we agreed to 3000 So what I did is um, I hung up. I said, I got to send somebody out, do the inspection. I got to go get a contract. We didn't have the internet. So I had to go to like, you know, Staples, you know, the, yeah. you know, the store. And we had to get the carbon copy, you know, the, the, the contract. So I hung up the phone. I called the newspaper up. I put a, uh, an ad, um, mobile home for sale, $25,000 with $3,000 down. Lady called me up. And she goes, hey, we want to look, we loved it, we liked it. So I ended up doing a note. She gave me $3,000. I took that $3,000 and I ended up giving it to the seller. And yeah. I created a note at like seven and a half or seven and three quarters at like seven years. So I was 19 years old. That was my car payment, my insurance payment for like seven years while I was going to school. That was my first note deal. <laughs> so, awesome. so anyways, <laughs> so what happened was, then at that time, um, I kind of got out of doing that a little bit. I got sucked into the corporate world a little bit, and I got into real estate banking at the age Ooh. of 24, 25. I ended up having a mortgage company up in the Washington, D.C., about uh, 107 loan officers. Um, so I had that for a few years. And that's where I, a lot of my clients were investors. So I became friends with them. I started seeing the different strategies. And just over the years, I just kind of evolved. And really, I understand the note world and how to structure it and how mm-hmm. to make it work. A lot of investors, you know, they try selling seller financing to sellers right. and the sellers usually say no. But if you guys, if you use your amortization schedule and show the seller how much money they're going to make five, seven, 10 years down the road. Um, I had one just recently with one of my students, a guy that was in North Carolina. They tried selling it. They couldn't sell it. And they're okay. They're like, all right, we want three years. And I just didn't feel comfortable because the market is at the peak, you know, and there's, and if the market pulls back a little bit, there's no room there. Three years mm-hmm. is just not enough time to give the equity in that property to be able to refinance it. So we did an amortization schedule. We sent it over to him. We pulled it up. I jumped on the phone. Hey, give me a favor, pull up the amortization schedule. In the beginning, it breaks everything down, the, the finance amount, the payment, the terms, you know, the rate. I said, go down to line 120. That's 10 years. Yeah. How much money in this scenario would you've collected? She said it was like $86,000. So, and then there's a balloon over to the right of that amortization. How much money is that left? She said that dollar. I said, add those numbers together. But she added the two numbers together. And it was a really, and I said, how much is that? And it's a large amount, much more than she's selling it. I said, how much are you selling the house for? She said, whatever. I said, subtract it. So you're making an extra $129,000 becoming the bank over 10 years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's powerful. It's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. And if you can hang on so to it. Parts of it. Yeah. yeah. And and not only do you make more money at the end, but then you've got regular cash flow in the meantime. Yeah. That's pretty And you don't have no tenants. And you have no tenants. No tenants, no toilets, no turnovers, no any of that problem. I mean, that's the, the being the bank is so powerful. And if you lit, sat there and you're able to raise money and do that with borrowed money at six, seven percent, 
look what happens then your return is astronomical it's ridiculous yeah. so you know yeah. more this creative financing world is really interesting but there's ways to do it wrong what are some of the most yeah. common pitfalls your tribe sees that you see from those who are getting started or the most common questions you're seeing with those people well i don't the questions are like how do you do it like and that's where everybody's learning like hey i got a deal the seller's open to sell financing i don't know how to do it and mm -hmm. most people are just saying hey this is how you do it with the contract and this is how you do the transaction however and even people giving advice out there are not even aware of if you're putting a buyer into the property that's going to be homestead living it as a primary residence there's a ton of consumer protection regulations on a federal and state level and that's where a lot of people go wrong and they don't even understand it and they don't even realize it it's we've been for the last few months us we've been out there promoting it and i've started people are starting to kind of see because i am starting to see people asking questions about it um so just make sure like if you're doing a seller financing and if you're going to your extra strategy is you're going to put an end buyer in that property and you're trying to wrap it make sure if it's a homestead buyer that you totally truly understand the regulations because um i've actually i remember a few years actually several years back somebody was doing this and actually went to jail but he was doing it predatory he was doing it on purpose so, the so biggest quick, thing let's get some definitions for, let's get some definitions what's homestead mean for those people who may not know what homestead means you're living it that's your home property you're going to be living it as your home property and you can get some like in florida we get a tax discount advantage if you're homestead i don't know is it the same way up in new jersey uh we don't have that advantage jersey likes getting their tax money so we don't <laughs> well homestead we have that so in florida we're protected if you're homestead um you get a lower tax break and in florida also if you ever get sued or you accidentally get a, they can't come after your property in, in florida other states they could possibly do that but homestead is main when if you're selling a property they're going to be living in a property as a primary residence and that's where there's a lot of consumer protection regulations to protect that consumer because technically if you're doing it as a full-time you are considered a originator you're originating loans and that's mm -hmm. creating you whenever you're talking about apr uh finance amount that's when you kind of open yourself up to the whole uh regulations of financing now you can sell it off to another investor that's not living as a as a primary residence and then you're exempt from those consumer protection right like the dobb frank act that's just one of them the yeah. safe act these are federal but then you also have state level um what was happening um besides the whole collapse a lot of small and pop investors are doing the same thing when everything collapsed they're putting people into the homes not checking their income and seeing if they can qualify mm -hmm. and we actually seen a couple of cases where people investors were being you know part of my language scam bags were taking people's large 30 40 50 thousand dollar down payment knowing they couldn't qualify and then turn around and foreclose on them and get them out of the property he kept doing this over and over and uh actually the the attorney general stepped in and the guy actually went to jail because wow. um he was just a predatory lender at that point so a couple of important points here so the first thing you said back a minute or so ago is uh, there's more to it than just the paperwork so the paperwork it, like there's there's a way to do that these are the documents you use this is the process you do that's part a part b is actual qualifying and then we're talking about the safe act and, and all those kind of things and then it's state specific so in florida you've got homestead in texas you've got homestead in new jersey you don't you know and there and you so you have to know state specific it's 
vitally important that you understand what the rules are federally and statewide and which state has which rules and how do you abide by those so it's the process is one thing and that's the easy part the paperwork that's that, there's nothing to that and but a regular attorney a general attorney is not going to be the person you need to speak to you need to no. speak to a specialist exactly that understands creative financing <laughs> writing a mortgage in a note or a land contract in a note right um mark when you're doing a lot of these order financing are you creating land contracts obviously in Texas, you don't do land contracts but are you creating land contracts most time or are you creating mortgages um well i want to go back one second so sure. all the stuff that we're just talking about about learning don't let that scare you guys because sure. um, we threw a lot of stuff at you and i might like whoa wait a minute yeah there's a lot of groups and even these guys you can reach out to people that are like no buyers and experts that will give you some advice and point you in the right direction so don't let that yeah. freak you out so if you're doing one like that and you're yep. like, oh my God, it's too, you know, I don't want to go to jail. Don't worry about it because it's very, very profitable. Just yes. get some prior, proper guidance. And there's a lot of people here that will help you out. So and, um, and just to add to, to that before question, you go on, on, one more thing to add to that is if you've already done some seller finance deals and they're not done correctly, almost always, like it's pretty much everything is fixable. So even yes. if you, you're hearing this and you're going, oh shoot, I didn't do that. I didn't do this. I, I did it wrong. It's fixable. Almost so, everything is fixable. So, so don't sweat too much about it, but just realize there is a right way to do it. Right. And it's going to be cost. Yeah, so you, when you do the owner financing and there's a person living in the home, Dodd-Frank, <laughs> SafeFact comes to play. You have to make sure that borrower has the ability to repay, not just a checkbook that writes you a $10,000 check and you walk away. Right. The idea right. is to make sure they have the ability to repay and it has to be if you've done more than three, originated by someone who is an RMLO license in that state, specific most of the time. So Texas, we had Sarah from Texas. There's people nationwide uh, that we can recommend to you guys to get that set up so we can buy it. If we don't, we have to spend time, money, and energy to get that loan corrected. So, yeah, I mean, that's and, the first uh, part of and it. And also, yeah, also, if you're doing assignments and you, and you think you don't, you're not responsible, be very, very careful that North Carolina is actually looking at people, the wholesalers assigning seller financing deals. You're the one technically originating that note because you're right. the one that's structuring it. So they're looking at it closely and they're, they're also looking at assignment fees possibly being rolled into the APR because all upfront fees are considered rolled in an APR and then you have usury laws. So just kind of be careful of that. And again, I'm not trying to scare you, just yep. want to inform yourself. That's all I'm saying, you know, that type of thing. So usury um, laws, so. for those who don't know, usury laws, what the max APR or interest rate you can give to a borrower, right? Business to consumer that the, that the state allows. Each state has different usury laws. Look your local state for knowledge about that. And that comes to play with us, right? And I'm gonna flip the switch for a second because a few note buyers probably going, when are you going to get to us and understand what we want? So for you guys who are creating these notes and you're doing it and learning correctly from people like Mark, what we recommend is make sure you write a note that's not only legal, right, that we can buy, that's foreclosable, meaning legal that I can go to a foreclosure, a judge won't kick it back, and I won't have a problem. On the flip side, we want to make sure that you do that, but the paperwork and the note numbers, the five numbers that come into play, right, is your original balance, your interest rate, your monthly payment, which is your principal and interest, tax insurance are excluded from that, right? Your term and your balloon, right? Obviously, five years, you can't have a balloon, but then a term, 
right? Are you writing 360 months? Are you writing 240? Now, even if you're doing an 80-20 loan, the way we have a chart that shows you, the best way to do it is the lowest term you could do and the highest interest rate by law is the best way to get the best price from us. So yeah. if you're originating notes at 6%, I encourage you not to do that because you're not going to be able to resell it, right? And the borrower, you want to understand the borrower can't literally go get to a loan from a bank typically. So don't undermine the bank where they're giving out seven, you're giving out six. Mark, what do you typically, your interest rate and your loans, when you create them, what are they typically at? See, for me, I have to, I take it a little bit step further because when I'm writing, when I'm structuring a, a deal, I'm also looking at the, what's the market rent is. So I need to make sure that the market rent <laughs> is in line to what my monthly payment is. So I'm trying to get the max as much as possible, like 9%, 10, whatever it may be. Um, however, if the payment is going to be out of whack, I'm not going to be able to move that property. So you have to modify and play with your numbers a little bit, maybe lower the monthly, maybe lower the amount. So that's kind of how I look at it. So it, sure. it's very, very tricky. Um, if that makes sense. Does that kind of make sense? Would saying? you ever write a note at 6%? Um. I hate to say it, but I have because I, it was the only way the deal was going to, but I knew I wasn't going to sell that note. You know, That's the key. If, I, if I'm going to sell it, if I'm going to sell it, yes. However, I had to do it at that rate because the monthly payments didn't match. So like, for example, like Jacksonville is an, a market where if you're doing seller financing, the house prices went up so much and the market rents didn't go up enough to cover that. And that's the problem. So it's a market by market. Mm -hmm. So because the market rents didn't go up and the new prices of the new homes, you're almost as an investor, there's not enough cash flow to be able to cover that, if that kind of makes sense. So because of that, I had to go a little bit lower. Actually, I had to go down to like five and a half to make that deal work. You know? wow. So that that particular um, buyer, I mean, you can't get a rate at five and a half nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. impossible. That's a good so deal. that's the only reason why I did that. It's just to yeah. kind of make that numbers, the numbers were, but I'm still cash flowing because the underlying debt that I have on that one, because I, we did a wrap was at uh three and a quarter rate. So I had, a, I had yeah. enough cash flow spread there. And um, because um, I also shortened down the amortization schedule a little bit to kind of make sure my numbers work. So there's a lot of like playing around with numbers. <laughs> So, but if I'm selling a note, yeah, if I'm selling a note, there's no way I'd, I'm going to make sure what the premium is. And that's why, you know, we talked in the beginning of this, you know, when you're doing the 80 20, um, you can do that and make sure if you plan on selling that note in the secondary market, yep. going into it, you kind of know where your rate needs to be to be able to sell that into the secondary market. Perfect. So, so we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, there's education involved here. <laughs> so make sure you learn the rules. And again, it's not rocket science. It's not, you know, we're pretty regular people, believe it or not. I know that we, we sound like we're pretty smart, but reality is, yeah. you know, we're not. <laughs> yeah. We've just learned through experience and, and through doing a whole bunch of these deals over time. And we're more than happy to share how to do that because there's room for everybody. Gotcha. So come and learn. We did a question. Uh, LinkedIn's not feeding in through our, our system here, but uh, Rakesh asked a question. Any thoughts about ITIN lending and investing in these notes? Uh, mm -hmm. ITNIN. You know, what's your thoughts about this idea of having ITIN borrowers um, and lending on this kind of money that way? Any thoughts or curiosities or individual 
conversation for that. Well, well let me ask you guys that. Would you guys buy something like that? Hmm. <laughs> It, yeah. The challenge again for me is at some point I'm going to want to resell this. Uh, well, maybe <laughs> if I'm buying for myself and I'm going to hang on to it, I have zero problem with that. None. Uh, if it's a note that I know, like if I'm buying it for myself, no problem. If I'm buying it in my fund, that's a problem because I'm going to have yeah. to resell that at some point, uh, and that's going to that's going to mess things up. Yep. So, so let's um, talk about wrap notes. You mentioned that for those people who don't know what that is, what is a wrap note and where does it come from? Okay, I'm actually um, doing one right now. Um, so I'm actually, uh, let's say, I wish I had the numbers. Let's say, um, I'm trying to remember if I remember the numbers. So what, what you're doing is let's just take some round ball, just round numbers. Let's say it's, it, I'm selling it for $200,000 my, to my end buyer, $200,000 note, okay? But they have an underlying lien with like say Bank of America, uh, whoever, Chase or whatever it may be. And say it's like at uh, $150,000, okay? Then what I want to do is there's $50,000 of equity there. Me as the investor, uh, that's where my profit is. So then what I'm doing is I'm taking the $100,000 note or $150,000 note with Bank of America, and then I'm creating my $50,000 difference, putting it in there, and then wrapping both notes onto one. So my end buyer's note is $200,000. Mm -hmm. So what happens is um, once that's done, they send the payment directly to the servicer. And then the servicer will disperse the funds to the proper parties, like the mortgage in the first position, and then any profit to me and any tax insurance that's also included in the monthly payments. So that's kind of how I, the, the wraps of the notes. I'm actually doing one right now where I'm buying the property um, and I'm turning on, I'm tacking on uh, $79,000 on that particular one because we had to go and do a little bit of work and then we're wrapping it to our end buyer. And usually you can sell, um, you know, whatever the ARB is after repair value, you can usually sell that above the market value a little bit so you can get a premium on it because you're structuring it where they can't go through your traditional uh, bank to get the financing. What's the total? Let's, let's back what, up a little. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I said, what's the total well, debt on that want, deal? What's the total county line uh, lien debt on that deal? Yeah, so they had to put, um, I actually sold it. I'm just using that one. Yeah, yeah. so the subject, what was so the online really, number? The online number was 150, you said? Well, yeah, for the first mortgage, let's say right. Bank of America. Yep, and then you wrapped it with $200,000 wrap note. So the total, we had a competition yesterday. What is that total debt? Is it 200 plus the 150? Or is it 200, no, 200 total? So 200 is that 50 total. grand seen like a secondary or a second note on the property lien? It's it, yeah. So it would be second, but they're wrapping both into one. So it's creating that one note. Yeah. Yeah. Mark and I Does talked earlier this week. And so it's, it's, it's not your, if I'm going to buy that note, I'm not necessarily in first, but I'm not really in second either. So I'm, it's kind <laughs> of like I'm, I'm like one and a half. Uh, but you would be you would be the one because what happens is in this scenario mm -hmm. you would because you have that note you would keep paying the first mortgage the hundred and the mortgage right but yeah. you're foreclosing on with the the buyer you're, yeah. you're, the borrower you're foreclosing but you're for that hundred fifty thousand or the mortgage and you're going to keep paying that 
So that, and then you can turn around and resell the property again. So yeah. you're taking a property back because you're wrapping up. But meanwhile, that wrap of the 150,000 of Bank of America, you're still paying that. So they're still getting money. And the reason why you want to do that is like, you may have a two and a half, 3% underlying debt. So you're, you're going out there, no buyers, you're borrowing money, what, eight, 10% when you have a debt already in place at 3% or whatever, mm -hmm. and it can be paid off sooner. So that's the advantage of the, that's how that would work. Now you mm -hmm. do have the underlying risk of like what's called the, the due on sales clause. Um, yeah. However, that's very rare that that has happened, but you should be aware of that um, where the lender could actually uh, call the note due um, because um, for whatever reason, usually they don't do that unless the uh, payment is um, not being made now, or if it's a credit union, sometimes credit unions may do it, um, but very, mm -hmm. the big boys, they don't care. They just want, um, especially nowadays, the banks and stuff, um, they don't care as long as that payment is due because with the new regulations, every time there's an, um, a delinquent, they have to put, what is it, like two or three dollars for every dollar aside um, mm -hmm. on that. So that, so they they just want those payments coming in because like, let's say it's a $200,000 delinquent note, then they have to put an extra up to $600,000 aside on, on that. I don't know if that's exactly the numbers, but it's a, a roughly about that. Um, yeah. So anyways. So we have some questions coming in uh, and I'm going to read them since they're on LinkedIn. What are some of your thoughts on giving seller mortgage while purchasing power of a dollar is declining? Aren't you getting paid in future dollars at today's rate, but value is reducing? We're not better. Uh, we're not better of borrowing as opposed to lending. I'm not sure exactly if we understand that question. Rakesh, if you can kind of clarify a little bit more. Uh, would the lender not start the foreclosure as they're prohibited in second. So I guess the question is, can, when you say lender, Rakesh, are you talking about the underlying subject to original lender? Or, or are you saying is the wrap note, the wrap note can foreclose. They can still foreclose if that borrower is stopped paying. Um, you can do that, right? It's still looked at the lien on the property and you're secured by that situation. So we're talking recently about the, yeah, we're talking recently about the, the partials and the uh, hypothecation is you could go ahead and buy their wrap note from you, right? Especially if, if you got it with equity, if you're into that deal for 200, but you're into the property for maybe a hundred grand, you could sell me that note for 150 and you wrote it at 10% interest rate. We could get a really nice discount and make sense for both of us and get your money out. Another way of doing is buying a partial where you can buy 60 months of payments, right? And then I take ownership of the note. Um, last week we talked about hypothecation, which I think is probably be the best way of doing it, where we literally loan you money on that first or second, and we just charge you an interest rate, and we're protected by the security of that note, so that if you go bad as my borrower, I get your note. And if I bought that note that's worth two hundred thousand, and I give you a hundred grand, right, and I'm making game payments, and you default, guess what I get in my hands? A two hundred thousand dollar note, right? Mm -hmm. So hypothecation. I'm not responsible for handling the note. You as the seller, as the lender, original lender, gets it, can maintain it. If it goes bad, you can transfer it to a different note. So hypothecation is actually a great way for wrap note people who own wrap notes to, to literally give get some money off their books as well as continue to buy more. As long as you keep making payments to us, we're becoming your bank. And if you have good equity and you wrote numbers well, your interest rate's high enough and your term is good, you can make a killing and we can do this over and over and over again. Again, remember me and Nathan are two different companies. 
we will buy as much as you have if the numbers mm -hmm. work out well. And one of the key things for you guys is LTV. It's not a killer for us. We're more interested in our yield. So those who are curious about it, we're interested in our yield numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have questions about that, please put in the chat and we'll do our best to answer. Um, Cause I know we have different people on right now, people in the seller finance, create owner finance world, uh, part of Mark's group listening, our group as well as a LinkedIn and uh, I think Twitter's on as well. So um, this will be recorded, put on YouTube. So Mark, when you do these kind of things, um, for those who are curious, where do you find your borrowers? Where do you find your properties? Are you doing mailers? Yeah, how are you sourcing? Mailers is a good way. Yeah, mailers definitely could work. Um, I don't personally, but I have some of my students. They do some mailers. Um, what they're doing is they're pulling um, some data, um, mm -hmm. you know, people that have been owning. There's so many different ways. Like, I like to buy seller financing for um, people that have originally been investors that own the home for like 15 plus years, um, mom and pops, where um, they're, they like that passive income. They don't want to get hit with capital gains. So they're mm -hmm. willing to carry that note. Um, that's kind of what I like to do. And then I also, when I'm talking to those people, I said, you know, down the road, you can actually sell your note as well. So that is another angle where you can kind of go in there. Like, you know, if you're buying a property yourself and you want to do seller financing, you can have them do seller financing for you. And then they could turn around and sell that note if they want some cash out of it. So that is another yeah. um, approach. Um, but for me, I have a lot of uh, referrals. Um, I have about, God, over 600 bird dogs that feed me deals. And I work a lot with realtors as well. I work mm -hmm. with a lot of uh, other investors. Um, I just built up a big referral network over. But also right now, like I'm teaching my students to go into systems like PropStream or any of those and look for people that um, just did an FHA or VA loan, like within mm. the last year or two, and they're selling it, there's not going to be any equity there because those are 100% financing. So we can buy those uh, subject to the existing mortgage or uh, uh, an agreement for deed, a contract for deed. So that's kind of where I'm finding uh, a lot of our people right there. So there is a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of times people come in like, where do I go? If you take a step back and you start networking with people and start listening, you'll start to understand what paths to kind of kind of go through to try to find these particular sellers. Do you have do you have specific areas that you like to concentrate in? Different states that you like or ones you avoid? Um, I will look at every state. My extra strategy will determine on what state it is. Okay. Um, like we have one right now in New York where one of my students. You know, he wants to exit all these options. I'm like, this comes back, you know, mm -hmm. because of the landlord tenant laws versus I told him the best bet might have been um, an agreement for deed or a land contract. Um, but because of the person doesn't because you have to do a double closing on that. You're buying it from the seller, then you turn it on wrapping it. So there's not a lot of capital. They have to come out of capital quite a bit. So that's kind of why they're doing a lease option route, because it's less money to get from your end buyer. So right. but. Usually in those type of states where they're not landlord friendly, I'm definitely looking at an ex having a seller financing strategy because at that time you're you're just structuring it, putting it together, and then they and they actually like it because they're they're homeowners. You know, they take care. Of, it's a different different type of person. They take care of the property a lot more if they know it's their home. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about the echo, guys. <clears throat> So I wanted to get into the 80-20 thing. You talked about briefly is it this 80-20. What is the 80-20 note? And what does it mean for us note buyers and note sellers? Why create 80-20? What's the benefit of it? And what's it look like? Okay. 
Well, let's use that scenario of the $200,000 note that we talked about. Let's kind of go down that path. Let's just use that one, for example. So I am the investor. I'm actually going to sell that property for $220,000. Okay. I'm going to get $20,000 down from my buyer, you know, up front. So they have some meat in the game, if not more. Um, it actually could be more than that. That's only 10%. So 15, 20%, you can get up to $30,000, $40,000 down. So you want to get a large down payment. And then the remaining balance, say the finance amount is $200,000. Well, what they could do is they can structure that where 80% of that is, what is that, the numbers? Um, 80% would be the first position. And that's where you can set it up in a way. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. 160, so 80% of 200, 160, and then the other 20 yep. would be so 40,000. Yep, exactly. So let's. So what we would do is take the 160, put that in first position, set that up the right way, structure it. So in a way, if you want to sell that note, and this is, a, uh, you can sell that note, and then meanwhile, the remaining $40,000, you hold on to that, and then that's what you get your passive income coming in. So that's another way of structuring it. So it's a win for everybody. Um, and then what happens is the servicer collects the monthly, monthly for both of them combined, and then yeah. they go ahead and disperse it all out. Uh, they just follow your instructions. Let's take a second on that, right? Me and Ethan got into this, learning more and more about this from you guys. And we were shocked to find out that some people out there who are creating these notes, wrap or self-originated, are using different ways to service notes why do you use a servicer and what's for those who are not doing it, what's your kind of a sales pitch to start doing it with a servicer? Well, some people use apartments.com because yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. supposed to do reports. You know, it just, it's a, it's a huge mess. Yeah. Um, you, well, first of all, yes, it's like a 30 to $40 fee, depending on who you use. But what you do is you, if you're sending a note up the correct way, you just roll that into your note and have your buyer pay for that. So you're not uh, paying for it. Do you That's hear that, buyers? No, buyers. Did you just hear that? Did you guys get that? Did you get that? Let's repeat that again. What can you do with the servicing fee in creative financing? What was that, Mark? Yeah, what can you do? Yeah. Go, what was that again for no buyers? It, you, you put it into the note. The servicing fee, so then they will be responsible for paying it, not you. The borrower pays servicing fee. So those are buying notes, and you've been discounting the note because of servicing fee every month. If you're buying creative financing notes and it's written the way Mark does it, you're not paying it. You're actually gonna be able to buy it for actually more money, but mm -hmm. you're not subtracting that monthly fee. <clears throat> that's awesome. We've never seen that buying yeah, bank notes. That's, that's really great. Yeah. So keep and going then, with that. And then they do yeah. all the yeah. Yeah. And they handle all the reporting, the taxes. I mean, they handle all that stuff. So, and it's just so much easier. And then if the people are not paying, they're the ones calling it their collection department. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. So we had a question from Kendrick was uh, looking to create notes with burned out landlords. Great method. What's a good message to craft for marketing? Like to burn down burnout landlords, tight landlords, yes. is that what you're saying? Yeah, bam, yeah. burnout landlords. What is a good marketing to say, hey, listen, aren't you tired of landlording? Do you want to sell it, the asset, and sell or finance it? I presume that's what they're meaning. Yeah. So you want to, um, yeah, you can just say, hey, you're looking to sell your property. Um, you know, just a nice little marketing piece, um, a mailer. Um, reach out to yellowletter.com um yellow letter they have uh, a lot of great templates already set up, up 
for the seller financing. So you can reach out to them. They have a lot of examples. But uh, if you're looking to do it yourself, just saying, hey, um, you know, you, you know, make sure they're 15 years. If you're looking to sell your property, um, you know, sell it, you know, you like that cash flow so you don't get hit capital gains, you know, um, you know, just craft something on that lines to kind of make it intriguing. So because the most landlords, and that's why I love working with landlords or other investors, because they understand the game. And the other reason why I like people that own it for 15 plus years, they're not so greedy. They're leaving some meat on the bone mm -hmm. because um, they've already built up their empire with their capital. They just want to sit back and relax. Now, what I've noticed is if it's like less than 10 years, especially five years, those investors already took in all the meat off the bone. So they, there's nothing there. It's very challenging to do those. So, um, and then they're going to, they're willing to do solar financing, but there's no monthly cash flow. So if something goes bad and you need to do repairs, you're, you're in a little bit of a bind there. So that's what I've seen. That's why I like 15 plus years, they've owned it for a long time. They like that monthly cash flow, but they're tired. They don't want to do any property. So, and then the other thing is, you know, have them save your information because they may not be open right now, but two years, three years, guess who they're going to call if you're staying in touch and follow up with them every so often. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify real quick, and I'll go continue with the questions here, is when he says five or 10 or 15, that's how many years into the mortgage that person is. Obviously, the more years you're into it, the more you're paid down, right? Um, so he said, kick the can down, kick the can of taxes down the road. Yeah. So from a rental property to annuity. I like the that one, a little pitch line from mm -hmm. a rental portfolio to annuity. And a lot of people who've been landlords are tired of being landlords, right? Mm -hmm. We, I've been a landlord. I'm sure all of us have been landlords. And I, I, unless I'm really, really, really good return, it's not fun, right? That's why we got from rentals to buy notes. Um, so we buy notes all the time because I don't want to be a landlord again. If I'm yeah. defaulted because I'm in a great position, okay. I was a landlord on one property for three, two, three years, something like that. And uh, I, it would, I came to realize very, very quickly, what I liked is the cash flow. What I didn't like was everything else. There was not any other piece of that that I enjoyed. It was just yeah. the cash flow. So then when I yeah. figured out notes, it's like, okay, so it's the cash flow, the part that I liked with none of the other stuff. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in 100%. That's the same thing. Yeah, that's what, exactly. That's the same thing. Like I'll buy it through self-financing, and I like to sell it through seller financing and create the arbitrage and stay in the middle and get that cash flow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But as much as possible, I don't want to own the house. Uh, if uh, I can ever help yeah. it, I never want to be a homeowner, except for my own home. That's fine. <laughs> nice. Uh, first rental was had all the windows shot out. Uh, that's not a good uh, first rental. That's for sure. Um, that's, uh, that's... I have one. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our stories. So I'm going to tell you my little trick. Those people who are looking to talk to landlords, either for note buying, raising capital or assets, go to local RIAs. You're going to find a landlord, talk to them like you've been a landlord, tell them all the problems and kind of relate to them. Get, get on the, you know, to share horror stories. If you have to make up one or two, that's fine. Just get on their same page. And what they're going to do is say, well, what'd you do? You say, listen, I used to do it. I'm done doing it. And they'll and say, wait, 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 you done? What'd you do? do you, are you out of real estate? No, no, much easier now. I'm actually in the, the notes game. And you're going to find a lot of these landlords turning their heads going, what? And you're going to get a lot of attention at those RIAs. This is how I started doing raising capital, talking to RIAs and just mentioning that I'm a you know ex-landlord and tired of it. And I moved on. I moved past it. I lost the weight of being a landlord. And I think that really kind of energized them to understand, hey, I want to know more about this. 
And hey, I got capital. I can sell my properties if I need to and get more into this stuff and raise capital. Um, so we want to make sure you stress the fact that you can get capital from these people, but also the property. You can do both because this person's interested in learning about what you do well and how you got out of this game, right? So Mark, one of the other things we want to make sure is that for those who are looking to buy these notes, they can either buy the first, the second, buy apothecation, rentals. You know, you guys love cash because sometimes you're running out of it. Are you guys open to selling to these note buyers who are our tribes to say, listen, we want to sell a note and we're in a good position where we wrote a 10, 11 percent interest note, not a three or four like the banks did. And I'm able to sell this 11 percent interest rate at a discount. And anyone who knows the math on that says, holy goodness, that's amazing because I can buy an 11 percent note at a discount where we're trying to fight over 8 percent notes at par. Yeah. So, Mark, are you, uh, you and your tribe, you know, people who follow you are interested in probably selling part of it, the whole thing, or your hypothecation? Because cash is probably your biggest funnel, biggest struggle point. Yeah. So, what I see out there, because the people that are in like my group or whatever, the people I really kind of talk to are people that are kind of somewhat new. So, what they're doing, and it makes sense, they should take it down because we're, they're saying they could sell the note and, and make money that way. But what a lot of these are doing is they're locking them up and then they're just doing assignments and getting that cash because you are correct. As an investor, you're always, you know, you're always putting your capital to work and then your capital is tied up into an asset. So you always need that balancing act. So what you're saying, what Dave is saying is instead of always doing assignment, you can go into this and understanding the 80-20 that we're talking about, mm -hmm. and then you still get that monthly cash flow and then sell that note off so you can get some cash coming in. So yeah. that's another way of doing it. And you're using your end buyer's capital to put down on the property. So you're making money in the front end. You're also, you can structure the note like we talked about the 80-20, sell that note off, and then you still, yourself can still get monthly cash flow coming in. So yeah. that's kind of what you're, you're mentioning there, David. So yeah. just to summarize some of the stuff, right? We want to make sure that you guys are doing it right. Make sure your paper is put together, sure. right? Um, get an echo. I'm not sure why, but um, make sure your paperwork's right. Make sure you're, if you're doing owner finance notes, make sure your collateral is written up correctly. Um, if you're doing land contracts, make sure it's state specific. Make sure that the federal law is there. Make sure you make the ability to repay is there, um, you know, and all that good stuff. Uh, quick question was, sorry, coming in late. 80-20 selling the first and keeping the back end, meaning if you're going to, you can keep the first or you can keep the second, sell both or either one, but most of the time you sell the first lien, hold the second lien at 10, 12%, and you're going to get cash flow while also being able to get some money up front. So yeah. that's what he mean by 80-20 cash flow. So what you want to do is make sure you rate this correctly, make sure the borrower has the ability to repay and then make sure you write with an RMLO. Um, we had an attorney on a couple weeks ago uh, who talked about they're trying to increase the number from three to 24. We'll see if that passes. Um, and then make sure you have all that in place. Make sure you write these loans at a good number, no longer six, 7%. Get as high as you can. Understand the borrower can only afford what they can afford. So make sure you keep that in mind. Um, make sure the interest rate's high enough, the term's low enough. Get that created that you can either sell a partial, the whole thing, hypothecation, and then go do it again. Like Nathan started off saying, do what you do best, find the assets, get them created, and then you can sell them off and recash out, recash out, recash out. And we're here for that.
Uh, yeah. the, I guess the burn method in creative financing. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we're the refinancers. Yes. So we can either buy out and take the note off of you. We can give you a loan. We can do both these things. They're fascinating to you guys uh, as wrap notes or originating. Just make sure you're originating correctly. Talk to a local attorney um, and make sure you're doing it right. Mark, when you got first got started in this, what were some of the first stumbling blocks you had? Lack of capital is one of the first things when you first start out. And then probably like the contracts, like, you know, how do I do it? You know, that's probably was one of the first type of things when you first start out um, in real estate. So that's why, you know, nowadays, especially with the internet, it's so much easier. We had to go to RIAs back when we were first getting into it. We didn't have all, we couldn't jump a network like this here. When, when you guys in Canada and Jersey, I'm in here in Boca Raton, yeah. Florida. So it's so much easier. Back then we actually had to drive 45 minutes, go in there and just kind of network with a small, well, some of the groups were good um, yeah. and just kind of learn that way, which I did. It worked, you know, yeah. but um, that's probably one of the things. So if that is, you're running into whatever you're stuck on, um, if it's one of the things I just mentioned or something else, jump into some of these groups. Everybody yes. is super, super helpful. I mean, I can't tell you um, in today's world um, how easy people are there to help people to kind of succeed in real estate. I know I was on another podcast uh, a while ago and somebody's like, hey, what is the number one thing in real estate that surprised you and woke you up? And I thought about it because I had other businesses, especially investing, is that your competitors are actually your partners. Yeah. You know, that's how I look at it. You end up working together. So yep. like in other industries, like, God, I don't want to tell him anything what I'm doing because of blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But in this, you kind of work together. So if you have, if you don't have the capital or you don't have the resources to kind of understand this stuff, go to somebody that's with experience. And that's why people are willing to help you because you're bringing value to them and you guys can take deals and work together. Absolutely. So quick question before Nathan's <laughs> final question is Tony Barnes on Facebook asked, do you underwrite your loans or do you the third party? To underwrite your loans um if it's going to be a homestead i'm definitely using a third party um 100 now with the new laws that well the bill they're trying to get through because you're allowed to do three a year where you mm -hmm. could actually underwrite it yourself however you still need to make sure you're qualifying through the dti mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really the credit doesn't really matter it's making sure they can afford the payment that's the biggest thing so you're not considered a predatory lender ability um, repay yeah Yep. But I always use a, a third party. I'm never going to do it myself. Yeah. We have a couple on our listing. If you ever want to reach out to Mark ourselves, um, we have called our underwriter. We have Mark Ross over there, uh, rmlo.us. You know, those are the people who are living in the home, right? If this is a tenant, a landlord. You don't need to do that kind of underwriting kind of stuff. I would still make sure that you talk to them, make sure the usury law is not applied. And this is state specific in certain situations. So talk to your local attorneys. Um, Tony, hopefully that answers your question. Um, but we want to make sure you guys do this correctly and you work with good people like Mark so that you guys can create more notes and you bring them to us. We'll buy them and we'll just cycle going. But let's circle back to the very beginning before Nathan's final question is, we want you guys to network with us as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Let's bring it home. Let's see everyone back down in Nashville next year so we all can get together in one room and really talk. Um, yeah. Make deals happen. At our last new at the last DME, we had deals happen over the weekend, signed and funded. Yes, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, so I'm really glad about that. 
and and get the videos like mark is saying yep. everyone is so open and yeah. so willing to share so get those videos if you haven't yep. uh, if you haven't already and just learn or learn from people who are more than willing to share we're not selling anything we're just trying to help you succeed that's it absolutely um go ahead nathan all right mark we're always trying to get a, a sense from from other experts here um see what do you see coming down the pipe uh what's your what's your crystal ball prediction for housing market where are we going i mean we've been saying since october we're going to be in a major recession <laughs> you know what i mean i mean yeah. look at look at the stock market in a lot in the first quarter i mean the first yeah the first half of the year so I think because there's still, we printed so much money, there's still a lot of money floating around out there. So this is a, a weird situation that we're in right now um, because, I mean, think of how much money we've printed. I mean, 80% of all money in circulation has been printed in the last few years. Think about that. That's a lot. So we really should be in a recession. Some yeah. some indicators show we're in a recession. That's why our inflation went up because all that money. But I mean, it is definitely slowing down. Um because but the problem is is nobody's selling because why would you sell at a three and a half percent and go into something at seven percent right. so that's why there's no inventory however there's a lot of inventory coming online um with the new builders so we're definitely going to see it slow down um i kind of like this market right now um because people that can't sell that's where i'm coming in and buying them um, the taking over the debt you know so i would definitely highlight you guys to take a look at the dme uh recordings we had the Mortgage Bank Association come in, and she actually gave a month of when the mortgage bank MBAs think that this recession is going to actually hit. She named a month. Yes. So that's all by data charts. So feel free to take a look at the video, and you're going to see some awesome stuff besides just that other thing. So, Mark, thank you for joining us Friday afternoon. You can hang on for the aftercast, but I appreciate those who tuned in live. Me and Ethan will be back. We'll probably be a few weeks off. We have some things going on, and summertime is Vacation what it is. Things. Yeah. So we will be, we may be dormant for a month of August, but feel free to tune in. Um, our links or stuff and our webinars are on YouTube. You can go to our website for it. If you have questions, reach out. If you have notes, send them on over. All yeah. right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. We're going to go uh, go off live and we'll talk to everyone soon. Thank you. Thank you.